Your Dr. Bruce sadly reports the loss of a dear friend and neighbor of these past 25 years, Fred McPherson. I first met Fred in the 90s when I first moved to Boulder Creek. Sometime later, I learned that he was a major figure in the countercultural movements in Santa Cruz in the 60s and 70s. Working with a set of early environmental activists, Fred had helped lead efforts to prevent a major new highway, a full three or four lane expressway actually, from being built up into the San Lorenzo Valley where I now live. Some years ago, Fred shared with me the map and general plan from 1967 that would have had our valley turn into much higher density housing, removing all of the old vacation cabins and farms just like mine. This was an alternate future that was the fate of most of America, which between the early 50s and the 70s was reworked into the suburbia, freeway, shopping mall matrix that dominates life today. Only a few areas were spared this treatment, and the San Lorenzo Valley was one of them. My enthrallment when driving into this valley back in 1994, seeking my home base for the rest of my days, was sourced in this earlier effort to preserve the valley against the developer's bulldozers. The San Lorenzo Valley is a true jewel of old California, and it's right in the San Francisco Bay Area ideally situated for the projects I wanted to do in virtual worlds and origin of life and space, but live in the country. A delightful visit from Fred finally came in July of 2018 when he came over with the very map and documents to share the story of how he and others saved the San Lorenzo River and Valley too. A great sadness descended upon me when last month in November of 2018, Fred passed from this earth, a world which he had so loved and helped restore and preserve. Fred's form of gentle but effective stewardship is an example to us all of how ordinary people can band together to preserve or create a paradise in which to live. Join us now with Fred McPherson as he gives us some of his own life background, time as a school teacher, and then the successful quest to save the beautiful San Lorenzo Valley and the communities in which I live. Okay, this is Fred McPherson. July 19th. 2018. Yeah. And Roz is here. Yep. Greetings. And we are recording a Levity Zone podcast from here in the heart of the San Lorenzo Valley. Yes, on Bear Creek Road, or Bear Creek Forest, watershed. Bear Creek watershed with yeah. Fred because Fred has been here since 1960. I think we bought our place up here about 1967 or, eight. Seven or yeah. eight. Yeah. And, and before and that, I was at Pacific High School, but that was over up on the top of the ridge and coming out of Palo Alto. But so did you did you live near to the high school? I've found the cheapest place I could get to rent as a uh, a young teacher with a, I also had a dog and Malamutes and things, was up in Redwood Estates. Oh, know, just right off there, of, uh, yeah. By Holy City, just up on uh, Highway 17. So what, yeah. what was Pacific High School? Oh, well, that's a, that's a whole big story. Um, I don't know if we want to go into detail oh, I'd that. To, I'd love to. Well, we, you know, that's what I wrote about in that first uh, hip history volume about... Uh, why 
and how I came to a Pacific High School and what we did there. But that could take a half hour, hour or something like that to go into. But essentially, I was out on the Mojave Desert um, <clears throat> teaching biology at a very nice uh, kind of high-end high school on the military base at <laughs> the Naval Ordnance Test Station, China Lake. Right. That's yep. what I wrote about in the book and how I had a good job and I got snatched up when I graduated from the University of Chicago mm. to come there because I was I was the, the cutting edge of biology education, which is a whole other story. Uh, wow. But anyway, I, I, I went there and I was teaching biology, but this is right in the midst of the Vietnam War and um, I did porpoise research for the Navy. That was a center for their porpoise research mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. um, now Point Magoo and other places. I had a lot of wonderful kids. That was the best thing about it. And I loved teaching biology. And I had a good, good support, good classroom, labs, uh, a lot of money to, to uh, support whatever labs or new materials or things we curriculum we wanted. Oh, yeah, you were doing the Vietnam War. Yeah, and you know, well, I, I learned as I got to know more about the base, and that's where they were testing all that napalm. They would do the runs and see oh, wow. better, more approved napalm, you know. That's horrible. So stick yeah. to people. And meanwhile, in the news, I've seen these poor kids coming out of villages all in flame, and it just really affected me. Uh, I said, no, I am playing a role in this because I'm teaching the kids, the people that are making the bombs, and, you know, so all that. So I went on for a while. I just, that and the stuff I discovered about the porpoises and how they were mm. using them to, you know, put mines on them to blow up ships in the uh, Vietnam mm. harbors and all that. And I said, I got to get out of here. And, but there's a counselor out there, our, uh, an art teacher, actually, and a counselor. And she said, you uh, just... Go somewhere where you might fit in better. Uh, I There's a place up in Palo Alto. It's a Quaker school. It's called Pacific High School. Hmm. Why don't you look into that? And so anything seemed better than out there. So I did. And it, so I came up here and we we uh, got hired up here about 1968, I'd say, hmm. and became part of the staff in the early days of Pacific High School. And Pacific High School is up on Skyline Boulevard, about two miles north of where Highway 9 mm -hmm. hits uh, Skyline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's where the Zen Center is. Yeah. Yeah. That they, we drove they, past that the other day. What's it called? I forget the name of it. Zigo Chen yeah. Zen, something like that. Yeah. That's where, uh, what was his name? Uh, Alan Watts. Alan, Alan Watts, but also uh, uh, the Apple guy. Steve Jobs. He used to go up there for meditation things. He was. I didn't he, know he that. very much helped uh, get that going. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he found some peace up there mm. to calm his mind down a little bit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah. point. Wow. Anybody that's interested could read that Hip History. Hip History. Santa Cruz, Volume One, and there's a great story in there about well, all Ralph, the Ralph, Ralph Abraham's. He was the books, editor. Books, the editor. Yeah. And I wrote a chapter, chapter about Pacific High School and all the things we did and how I evolved as a biology teacher coming from this more uh, academic, well-funded laboratory approach. You, you built domes there? Well, that, that, I didn't. That, that came after me. That right? came after. Mm -hmm. uh, when I moved there, we had a, it was a chinchilla farm that was still had, there was the huts and stuff. 
So we had classes in, in, in Chilo Farm leftovers. But then the kids and the staff, we built the, the school. And so all those buildings that are there now for the Zen Center, we, we build them as wow. uh, students. And we hired a main one contractor, George Hall was his name, and he would organize us as much as you could organize, what do they say, cats? And cats. Stuff. Yeah. Herding cats. So, so it Herding wasn't, cats, yeah. It wasn't exam-based. Um, it was like a new thinking, kind of like UC Santa Cruz was trying to do. Yeah, right? yeah. It was experience-based. Um, it came out of the traditions of um, a peninsula school down in Palo Alto, which was also a uh, Quaker-oriented school where the kids had been going to school all their elementary years. And they were getting up to the stage, junior high, high school. And they didn't know what to do with them. They wanted to do something next. So they bought this ranch off the Long Ridge Ranch property mm. up, up there. Somehow they had enough money to buy it. The parents and donors and angels... And they set up the school, they had the property to do it. And uh, so the kids came up there. So they were used to kind of a um, an alternative approach to uh, education in their elementary school years. They were much more adapted than I was. I was coming from a very academic point of view. Yeah. And I said, okay, we'll have a biology class and maybe a you know a geology class and this and that. And they were... Do you know anything about hobbits? Or, uh, <laughs> what do you think about growing um, this? And can you smoke this? And let's let's go for a hike over here. And uh, you know, and is this good for you? And uh, and so then the whole school became a very uh, open to exploring those questions that kids ask. You know, hmm. teenagers, sex and rock and roll and drugs. Right. That was the main. <laughs> Curriculum, you know. <laughs> yeah, other than what do you want to know about it? How do you adapt to it? You know? Right, right. And so that gave me another uh, opportunity to learn uh, about biology uh, or, and how to teach it on a experiential. We call this experiential education. Which you're still doing when you take people on walks through the valley here and I show, them, it, yeah. show them the mosses and the bryophyte colonies, and you're still doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I still believe that education comes for each of us out of our own interests and our own passions and our own, you might say, our own reason, karmic reason for being here as spiritual beings. Mm. That we have we we have missions, and we have talents, and we passions, and uh, we're here to explore them. And so, what are we going to do as a community or as a teacher, you know, to or as a podcast here <laughs> to encourage that? Uh, I would, um, I really believe in that. And that was the basis then of uh, everything else I've done here at UCSC or starting the homeschool programs or the, uh, the Watershed Academy and the, and the politics. You know. the, the politics, yes. Yeah, so, so that's what I thought we were going to talk about so, today. So here's, here's the question, and I've okay. told everybody this story oh, yeah. who comes here, that there's a fellow living across the uh, valley in Hobbiton oh, yes. who, um, with a community, managed to... I don't know, you blocked bulldozers or you, you went to meetings or something to stop the San Lorenzo Valley Expressway project. Yeah. Which I see on this map here. Yeah. Shown coming from Felton all the way up uh, and what yeah, ended up what in I Boulder know. Creek. Yeah. yeah, so let's put that out here. That's what I brought the other night. and I, We had a big magnifying glass that would help too. I, I have my little one. I can see it pretty well can still. Pretty well? Yeah, okay. I can see it pretty well. This is the overview. And what we're looking at here is actually the 
the watershed for the San Lorenzo Valley. And this is the proposed developmental map <clears throat> that was presented for the general plan back. There's a date when it was actually published, but it was about 1967 uh, yeah. it was published. And then, so this is the map that was then presented to the public for approval. And um, after we look at the map, I can tell you how I came to have it. Well, I can tell you right now, Jim Franks, who I was working with down at UCSC in the community uh, development section of Extension, he said, Fred, you're from the Valley, aren't you? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. And you're doing a lot of stuff up there. Have you seen this map? <laughs> and I said, oh, that's pretty nice. And he showed me that nice glossy report, and you've taken pictures of it. Yep. Pretty slick, huh? Pretty slick, yeah. It's the cover of the redwoods, and inside was written real well. And they hired some really good um, planners and developers to write that thing and publish it. So they spent a lot of money on it, and they spent a lot of money to do this map. And as you can see from this map, then, they were set to go for the development hmm. of the whole San Lorenzo Valley. Wow. So over on this scale here, you look at the orange, that's medium low density. Oh, housing. Yeah, for the housing. So okay. this was going to be all new housing. That, so that's the orange. And for the darker, the, the more maroon colored here, like all along here, that's medium density. And then um, here's some other suitability requirements. So essentially anything that's orange or purple or red is was planned for high-density development. Wow. Now, just for some landmarks, this is Boulder Creek up here, and this is Bear Creek going out this way. Mm -hmm. you, we were right here, but here. Yeah, we house. would have been a complete housing yeah. complex here. Oh, yeah. They, uh, on this side, in the, as you see, here's the, here's the creek here. Here's, yeah. the, there's the road. Here's the creek. It would have been on, on the other side of the road. Where you live. Yeah. yeah way up in here in the forest, and been all around here and up up this way and up this next canyon, which I, that, that might be Hopkins Gulch. I think that's Hopkins Gulch. So we're literally right there. Yeah. See what they had planned? And that's pretty high density. They wanted to have it really thick. Hmm. Uh, you know, about um, something every acre or so, or more. But look, look what else they had planned for going up our creek. Another dam on Bear Creek. They wanted a dam on Bear Creek. Yep. Uh, and then this is Boulder Creek here. They didn't have a dam planned there, but this is Bear, Boulder Creek going out to Big Basin here. Mm -hmm. But they look how thick the density would have been there. So that's all high-density housing all mm -hmm. the way down the valley. Yeah. Wow. So yellow is still low-density housing, maybe like it is now. You know. Like Portola Valley. Yeah. I think. But it continued all the way down from Boulder Creek, and here is... Um, Brookdale. Yep. And here is Ben Lomond, I imagine, right yep. here. Yep. And Felton is right yeah. down here. Yep. So I noticed what's what's this line here, Fred? Coming up. Okay, now th this is where the freeway that does come into to Felton right now comes right into here. And they built the first part of it uh, when Hoot Crest was a supervisor. And when this plan was being presented, they actually had this underway. And I, that's why I call it the, the bypass. Mm -hmm. It's coming in from Scott Valley. 
and it bypasses the old road, the um, um, Mount Herman Mount Herman Road. So it's this dotted line then is the freeway, the proposed freeway that was supposed to run on this side of the river. See, nine Highway Nine is on this side. Right yeah, now. yeah. That was a big proposed. It would have been at least three lane, probably four lane, freeway all the way up past Brookdale, all the way up down to this side of the river in Boulder Creek, coming in around Irwin Way somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then the idea in the report would be there would be an exit for Boulder Creek, exit for Brookdale, exit for Ben Loman, and uh, exit for Felton, of course, down here. But that would have been a huge, huge change. change. A change, right. Huge change. And, and of course, here's the was the proposed water supply. On, this is Zioni. Mm-hmm. No, let me see. One of them is... Um, Loch Lomond. This is Loch Lomond, then. And this is the one on Zianti. They had one about twice that big proposed for... Mm-hmm. for uh, so th- this would have been akin to any of the big suburban developments all over the United States, that backfilled yeah. suburbs and yeah. eliminated the old housing, the old yeah. farmer housing and stuff like that, and just yeah. made made suburbs. Yeah. That, that sort of recarpeted America for 20 years. Well, that's what they wanted to do. That's where the money was, and they saw the money, especially with UCSC coming in here. Mm-hmm. They said, this is just going to be like Berkeley. Berkeley, Berkeley. right. Uh, that's a good analogy of Berkeley. Uh, Around Stanford. High, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marin especially got all backfilled. Yep. So, high so. density. That's what they wanted. So when I saw that, I said, no way. Because I, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, you know. Mm. And they might get away from there. Yeah. And you watch the San Fernando Valley oh, go yeah. from orchards to yeah to where it is today. <laughs> and uh, so I I and then then again, this is just after Kusum was born, my my, my baby, our our baby, and uh, I didn't want her to have to mm-hmm. grow up and um, go through that again. So I I said, what can we do about this? So I I started showing it to everybody I, that I knew. But there were other dams, so here's at least three, but there was also one proposed at the headwaters of uh, uh, up at Waterman Gap. There was a dam proposed there, and there was also one proposed on Kings Creek, too. So all the major streams would have been dammed up in one way or another. So it's total transformation of the landscape, nature, everything. Yeah. The other big thing, of course, would be you need to sewer it all. Yeah. So they had a sewer proposal that would run all the way from Boulder Creek and come down out of Bear Creek, Boulder Creek, up here. It would come down all the way down into Felton and then run along the river on Highway 9 or Long 9 all the way to, down to the treatment plant. Mm-hmm. So, so how did how did this not happen with all the ah. money behind it and the you know developers and politics and stuff? Well, that's the, that's the important story. And, you know, and that's one reason I'm dedicated to this hip history project is that if we can tell people that this is how it looked, it's almost like now when, when Trump's in charge and you have the, the, the way that he wants to divide up the world and make it work, you know, the Republican tax plan, all that other, there's a certain way people are going that is not life-oriented. It was, this is... Uh, Looks like you make a lot of money, but it would not be good for people. It would be terrible for the fish, terrible for the wildlife, terrible for water quality. It would be death-oriented, you know? Yeah, death-oriented. And uh, at that time, we were more into making a statement about what do we want to have happen. Mm-hmm. 
and Max's whole thing about the Paradise Proclamation and that we actually do live in a beautiful, beautiful planet. Oh, yeah. And it is paradise if we treat it right. So we, um, I showed it to Max, I showed it to Don McCaslin, I showed it to a lot of musicians, I showed it to my neighbors, I showed it to anybody I could. I said, we got to do something about this. <laughs> so we, uh, they were going to have these plans, and you were looking at those papers, Ron, they're over in these other files. Yeah, I saw the, the first Boulder of, Creek plan, yeah. the Ben Loman plan. And yeah, they, they were, they were going to have a, a general plan meeting. Yeah, I think they announced. I think it. I saw the letters yeah. in there. Yeah. Okay, yep. so I have all those papers. We yep. put in the historical records someday. But anyway, uh, Jim Franks, who knew the system well in Santa Cruz, he said, "You better show up at those meetings, and and if you want to stop this, you better show up and say something about it." Hmm. So, but we were pretty good at getting organized because we did us that so much for all the benefits. You know, we were doing for the anti-war things and. Started the UCSC Gardens and uh, you know, all the other causes going on at the time. So we had a lot of people supported these meetings. They came from uh, a lot of walks of life. There were some um, musicians that played a big role, and artists, and shop people, and uh, some good scientists, some good teachers, you know, that I knew and stuff. And so they all showed up at this meeting, and they started saying, well, okay, let's divide up into these committees. And you see the committees. There's the this. general plan. This is the general plan. From 67. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what sort of kicked it off. That's the cover. And if you were to look carefully at this front page here, these are the... Uh, yeah. This is who was prepared to do it, this group. Planners. And yeah. These were the people from the county, mm -hmm. Santa Cruz County. They were appointed by this board of supervisors. And yeah, there's that date, 67. Yeah. And so if you look at the table of contents... This is the way they wanted to organize the committee, see. Mm -hmm. They wanted to have a, um, well, there's going to be an executive committee, and then there's going to be a committee on transportation, retail services, uh, residential services, industrial things, parks and uh, recreations, subcommittee, and the school subcommittee. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about eight committees. And anything environmental... They called it amenities, environmental amenities. 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 There's one of those. There's agricultural, which include forestry. So there wasn't really an environmental focus. This is before there was an environmental movement. Yeah. Yeah. And this was just how you go about dividing up, developing the land. Right. And they knew how to do it. They had experience in it. They had the money for it, as you tell by the slip report. Yeah. So they started saying, okay. Uh, we're going to divide up. Who wants to be on these committees? And you can go to the different parts of the room. And they start going that direction. And we said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> and a couple of us, you might say leaders or people willing to stand up. We would like to really maybe re-examine this in terms of some of our other concerns, you know. And so we got up and started talking about that. Mm. What if we had some other committees as well? Why, why can't we start with thinking about what we want to make this valley livable for us, you know, and just the whole rap that we, mm -hmm. are, we're used to doing on radio stations and on the air and meetings. And, <laughs> and, and uh, that's part of the history, his uh, website, I guess, a lot of that media stuff. So we started doing that, and then people said, well, I don't think that's what this meeting's about. And we said, oh, no, this is a, well, that's why we came here. And uh, 
you have maybe mm-hmm. 50, 100 people say, yeah, that's what we came here. Ah. And they, right. The room rose up. So it got really so was this Was this idea like, oh, the hippies have shown up to spoil our party? I think so, or they were amazed that anybody cared and that, and the, that there was such a broad coalition. Right. Because there were some conservative, wonderful conservative people up here that didn't want this to happen. They right. were leaders, right. uh, some of the local tellies even, that didn't want... In, and influential other, people like influential, the local yeah, 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 yeah. And others who didn't want to see their, their, their beautiful town, their village, turned into something like this. And the more people got educated about what they were proposing, the more adamant people became. And so that was a lot of what we did is mm-hmm. PR and stuff at the meetings. So anyway, it, it got kind of rowdy. <laughs> and it, you can see the press releases. I think there's some of them. Yeah, there's some of them in there, yeah. And they eventually had to phone the sheriff and postpone the meetings. And, you know, and wow. We said, well, we, we want another facilitator to facilitate these. So one of the guys who was a dentist, uh, Fred, Fred Gordon, I think his name was, mm. he said, okay, I'll facilitate. I don't have a, you know, I don't care about this. And so we elected him the facilitator. Then he starts saying, okay, what committees do we want? And we, we picked those committees that are in this other report here um, that Roz was looking at, this one here. Yeah. So all that information's here. I don't know if we want to talk about it now, but it's all here. And we came up with these major committees, and they eventually gave their report. But the one that uh, I worked on, and Max, and uh, some of the other wonderful people up here uh, in the bands, and yeah. artists, uh, Sterling Storm was there. Uh, they, Did you have the perfect music, 25th century yeah. ensemble, but there was also the humans? Yeah, Sterling, uh, later. Later. He first, he was kind of oriented just when he got here to doing organic gardening that, but then he got back into doing the humans. The, yeah. was it, who, who was it started the Camp Joy and the organic They gardens? were just getting here. We, we finally got them involved. Uh, ah. They got thrown into the mixed room in the hot seat okay. once we started this going. Because wow. people didn't like their, that hippie experiment either. But, we, but luckily, we had transformed the political process by, by the time they got here. Oh enough to protect them and, and, and make it a, a nice bubble, which it is today. I mean, it's just amazing to me that such an enormous development plan with money at stake... Yeah, probably billions. ...didn't happen. Yeah. At least millions. So how did it unravel then, in a way? Well, we took over the committees. Our uh, environmental committee was uh, very specific about our priorities. I'm going to try and put this in our my next story for Hip History oh, 3. History. Three, right. With some of the recommendations that came out of there. Mm-hmm. But it included an emphasis on the San Lorenzo River, that we wanted to protect the river, um, establish wildlife refuge area along the San Lorenzo River and its tributaries. Actually, we changed it to wildlife uh, corridors, mm-hmm. which Corridor. is now a uh, present idea, and that, that is now in the general plan and the, the whole uh, watershed management plan. Right. Anyway, we had that was one of our things, and uh, restore the uh, unique aspects of the repairing ecosystems. Uh, but this and, this and must we, have been all like Greek to them, right? To a developer, like what's riparian, and yeah, for them it's like, oh no, you know, get out of our way. We want to have our bulldozers roll. That's right. 
Yeah. And they did. They brought the freeway into Felton. Oh. That's where we started their resistance. They, they, brought, they were bringing it in. That's where we tried to make that movie called, that I told you about, Big Cats. Big Cats. Because yeah, they were bringing the bulldozer down. <laughs> big old D9s or D3s. Or, so you, and you, they, they you, were bulldozing, yeah. They were bulldozing. So what did you guys do? Well, we planted some symbolic trees. In the, where we knew they were going to come through, and we tried to stop the bulldozers, you know, just just to make a good movie. But uh, also for press things, we did a lot. You might say guerrilla theater kind of things, mm-hmm. and, and uh, radio things, and nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt. Yeah. <laughs> we did. We didn't sit down in front of the uh, bulldozers, but we did have some pretty big protests, and that became the, the focal point for the next election. Well, one of the spin-offs then, after doing all this writing, which I can talk about, you can read about. Yeah. I'll post this, actually, up with the podcast. Okay. So people can yeah. look at it. So this is our recommendations, and each committee had their own recommendations. And, but this was the environmental, we call it environmental quality control, because we were concerned with water quality, with ecosystem function and support, and uh, watershed characteristics of the watershed and endangered species. And also at that time, they're still proposing to put in the nuclear power plant right. out there at Davenport. Yeah. So we took an issue on energy and uh, how we could do, uh, you know, generate energy in other ways, serve energy. And we took up recycling, we took up uh, organic gardening. Yeah. And so... Snyder's project. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's A, B, C, D, F. It goes down to N. <laughs> down to N. These yeah. are all the recommendations. recommendations wow. of, of our committee, anyway. So um, we did it. It was presented. It took about a year to do all this. And a lot of time, a lot of energy. Wow. And uh, we got to know each other pretty well. And uh, it was presented, accepted, and ratified. And that still stands as the official uh, general plan. Revised called wow. the Revised General Plan for the San Lorenzo Valley. So this 1972 election was coming? A yeah. federal election? And, yeah. And then you said there was something that shifted. The the developers wouldn't just sort of give oh, up on Oh, their... okay. So then after we did that report, uh, things went in different directions. Pat Litke and some of the people decided they needed to run a candidate for supervisor. Mm. And there's some pretty savvy people there. <clears throat> so... Um, he ran for supervisor. There's a whole bunch of stuff about that. I think some on the, our website. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the big things we did in the campaign near the end is we walked the whole river from Boulder Creek down mm-hmm. down to Santa Cruz. I, remember I, I did that one in my younger days. That was a rough hike. Yeah. That's why the Ohlone never lived up here because it was rough country. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember whacking my shins on some boulders and... And uh, the fellow that was the fishing game warden at the time, Ron Lang was his name. He went with us. And he had his, his pistol too. His sidearm. His yeah. sidearm. <laughs> so uh, we didn't get interfered with. Some people came out, what are you doing in my river? And he showed him his badge. And wow. He was armed. But, but, but we did this whole walk and we photographed as we went. I still have some of those pictures. And, uh, and then when we got down to Santa Cruz, luckily some people... We're covering this, and they photographed us coming out of the river, and, and then we gave our report on what we saw, how many septic tanks were were collapsed in right. the river, right. how many uh, washing machine drains were going in, and 
oh. this and that, and then we'd take have wow. a dead fish. So we give a really good report on what we saw just on that one hike. And that started to get people interested in the river. So uh, that was what, uh, well, another group then out of this committee, uh, including Max Hartstein and John Stanley, who is an environmental planner over San Jose State, and Mary Hammer and some others, they decide we'll follow up with this committee and form the Save the San Lorenzo River Association. Mm. And that's going to be another thing I want to write about in um, History, Volume 3. So that, that went on, Save the River, and we did so many interesting, informative, uh, politically active things all through the, um, what would it have been, 1970? One or two. Two, or three, three there. in there, yeah. Yeah, so I'm getting all those facts together. Our biggest thing is we actually did just. After Pat Litke won the election, by the way. Okay. I forgot to say that, yeah. That was a, that was a key moment, right? Because yeah. Because then he was on the board of supervisors. Yeah. He, that really broke up the old gang and oh. the old political way. So the old guys were out. He was in. They canceled this plan, and they adopted the new plan. Whoa. And um, So we, we knew we had to take local action and take it into our own hands. Yeah. And the key thing is we talked about what we wanted to have happen. We weren't just saying, well, we don't like pollution of the river. We were saying, hey, we're going to, we want a watershed management plan where you think of this and you take that into account and, and da da da, and you measure the water quality. And So this this was the watershed moment for the watershed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And later on, uh, they hired somebody, John Ricker was hired, he was a UCSC graduate, to write this uh, San Lorenzo River Watershed Management Plan. That came in about the later 70s, 74, 75 in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was passed, and it's still around, and it's still being used. Wow. And that's the basis of our our county's approach to this whole watershed. And uh, then we wrote a series of ordinances, too, about a, a riparian ordinance to protect that, a grading ordinance to make sure you didn't just shove stuff into the mm -hmm. river and... Uh, Erosion control, pro proper erosion control, uh, septic system ordinance, and uh, a few others uh, uh, that are still in effect to today. So not only did we not have massive development, but what you guys did was flipped it into a yeah. sensible plan to manage the environment and protect the environment, lower pollution levels, right? Go fish forward. health, and yeah. so you you actually prevented a sort of a a death thing, but then enhance the life that was in, that's right. in the system. Yeah. See, and that's what we need today in this this time of Trump. Uh, we need to think about what do we need to make it work, to uh, relate to climate change, relate to uh, the inequity and poverty issues and economic issues and environmental issues. So many environmental issues mm -hmm. that are interrelated with uh, the social issues mm -hmm. and economic issues. So. Um, but we need to think, what do we want to have happen? And, and really put our emphasis on that. Wow. So well, thank, thank you, Fred, for this tremendous view from 50 years ago. Yes. Which led to the beautiful world in which we live, which, which, which could be a more beautiful world elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're still working out. We have a lot of work left to do. And that's, I hope, uh, if anybody's listening out there, uh, that's the message that I wanted to pass on. That 
we still need to think about what do we want to have happen and how, do, how are we going to go about it? And then just everybody has to use their talents and passions and interests and spiritual mission yeah. to get involved. In a, and I, I think that when we do that, then that magic happens. Like That's why the 60s and 70s were so incredible and magical. Um, magical. We say they're magical because serendipitous mm. kinds of things happen, you know? And that's what we did at the party uh, last weekend. That was, yeah. yeah that was to bring the 60s and 70s people who are still here, yeah. they're, they're current day people, together with the uh, young people like Roz, her yeah. friends, the, the co-op communes from the Haight-Ashbury that are new, yeah, and connect the bridge of the generations. That was encouraging, yeah. And yeah. fun. That was fun, and we'll keep doing it, and uh, more events and more learning. That can yeah, happen. well, this would this should help what you're doing here with this uh, podcast, and if we get these things posted up on our website, do you want to mention our website? Yes. Uh, or, or, the Hip Santa can, Cruz website. Yeah, it's called Hip History Santa Cruz, and uh, what's the fellow's name doing? Jacob Amand. Ja yeah. yeah, Jacob Amand uh, deserves a lot of credit for making it really attractive and uh, up-to-date, as, as do you. Bruce, Bruce has been helpful on this. I've been recording these meetings for about a dozen years or so yeah. to help the project. Uh, yeah. So. And uh, I interviewed Leon Tabori and all these amazing people who are now no longer with us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Hip Santa Cruz History Project got videos. It has now the perfect music is up there. Some of it, yeah. Some of it, yeah. Um, lots of pictures, uh, the free spaghetti dinner yeah. uh, flyers. The So much happened in Santa Cruz in those years. Just sort of mind-boggling. All, all of the initiatives and the creative efforts and the writing and the public yeah. action and the invention of the home birth movement yeah. and organic farming. And you guys saved the, the West Cliff natural area oh, where the yeah. lighthouse is. Lighthouse Point, yeah. Lighthouse Point was saved from development in those years, and now yeah. it's one of the jewels of Santa Cruz. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. Quality of life yeah. and and many other things that, you know, as, as they say on that bus stop, remember when they dedicated the, uh, oh, yeah. the, the 50th anniversary of the acid test on that bus stop on Soquel Avenue near the spread where Kesey and Babs and the gang did the first sort of acid test. Uh, and then the Warlocks became the Grateful Dead or something. Yeah. Um, on that bus stop, it says, the counterculture comes to Santa Cruz or to Santa Cruz. On one side, it shows the bus coming. And on the other side, oh. it says, the counterculture comes from Santa Cruz. <laughs> and it shows the bus leaving. And then in the middle, it says, the bus came along. Did you get on? And it's a bus stop on Soquel Avenue. Oh, that, and, and First the, County, yeah. First County Supervisor John Leopold. Yeah, yeah he, read the proclamation into you know into the public record. He's so still happening. Still happening. Like yeah. a, a county supervisor being very cool. Yeah, you know, we've got one now, John Leopold. Yeah, yeah. And you know, then, then the other thing that happened as the San Lorenzo River Association kind of fulfilled a lot of things we wanted to get done in relation to the river. Uh, the women up here decided, uh, who had been very involved in it, people like uh, Mary Hammer and Nancy Macy and an older, beautiful lady, Ann Gulliver and Sue Haynes. Oh, yeah, Nancy Ellis, another great teacher, and Judy. Anyway, a lot of great people who were in the River Association decided they wanted to do more than just river things. So they got together mm. 
and with a lot of other really great, powerful, beautiful women, and formed the uh, San Lorenzo Valley Women's Club. Right. And it's a very innocuous uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek name, you know, sipping tea in their right. hats, and, but they, they were very powerful, and they still are. They're a force the, of nature. They are yeah. here in the valley. <laughs> we don't have a city government up here. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we do have this kind of volunteer uh, government organization you belong to and get involved any way you want. The, the Redwood Mountain Fair funds yeah. them all, and we have Valley Churches United Mission, and we have the museums and the arts yeah, league, and right, and the centers. The schools, we do a lot for the schools, and, and still active in environmental issues. Yeah. To the state, and the, all the uh, recycling centers, yeah. they, they're all run by the Valley Women's Club. Which is a big achievement. So it makes the San Lorenzo Valley one of the just greatest places to live it, anywhere. It is. It really is. Well, so thank you for the opportunity to kind of think about this because that yeah. will help me write about it. Yeah, because you're getting ready to produce that, that yeah. writing. And we see the acid test poster over there. Did you bring that? Uh, Did somebody bring it? You, you well, brought the, the um, what are these? are the cultural aspects of uh, our I valley. I didn't bring that one. That, that's somebody else. Here's the one that. Uh, Oh. This is the one that Max drew. Max Hartstein yeah. drew this. And yeah. this is called the Burning Buddha. Oh. And this, uh, can you see it too over there? Yeah. It's, it's uh, a picture of uh, somebody meditating, but all these flames coming up. And he did that when they, those monks were setting themselves on fire over in Vietnam oh. to protest the war. Right. And so this was a post we did for uh, Crown College. Hmm. That's when Ralph was there. He was Ralph was at Crown College. Yeah, oh. I, I think so. And we had uh, we were going to have these uh, paradise proclamations, and uh, it was uh, going to be a benefit for the garden and this and that. Wow, that's when UCSC was really active. Yeah, yeah. So they, they used this uh, peace, prosperity, and paradise. And so that was one. And that was very. Interesting. This is also the... Um, That's from the ensemble. Yeah, this is uh, Max's... Max's drawing. And we sort of all adopted as the... Uh, the logo. This is a logo for the 25th Century Ensemble. And this is for something we did at uh, Portuguese Hall. You're invited to join a large group encounter, experiment in the science of the future, psychic alchemy, with the 25th Century Ensemble, March 15th at 8 p.m., at the uh, Portuguese Hall, Harvey West, a dollar donation for the free university. We had a free university here in... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and Ralph taught at it. And you, yeah. You taught at it, yeah, too. You taught yeah. biology at it. I taught environmental dance. I got involved with Marcellus, and we did this environmental dance thing together. That was, wow. That was good. And and I taught other biology. But anyway, and the Malcolm... What else? Oh, um, uh, yeah. The College of Malcolm X and the paper and so forth, and... It's going to be a large group experiment in the full auto-transcendental evolutionary paradise process. Number one, bring your instruments and play perfect music with the 25th Century Ensemble. We guarantee entry into the positive universe. Da, da, da. <laughs> so that was a, it was a great event. Too. We had the Hells Angels. Uh, they were our security. Mm -hmm. They were for Ken Casey's yeah. property and the Grateful Dead yeah. and... What's, what's this last one? This one, you know, they talked about Futsy Dunsel. 
and his posters. Fancy Nutzel, uh, Bruce Klein. Oh, turn it upside down. Oh, it was his victory on it. Yeah. He, said, uh, he, he did this. Fancy Nutzel. Yeah. I just want a nicer psychedelic one, you know. And what is it depicting? It's depicting mm, these creatures coming out of the cosmic and coming down and, and, uh, and like yeah, they're feeding the cosmic fuzzy nuzzle. <laughs> feeding this this big free uh, cosmic free legal defense fund. Yeah, this yeah. is something we held out at the uh, was that the barn Uni Unitarian Church out on Freedom Boulevard. We had some big events okay. there, much oh, like the barn, much like the barn. Yeah, that's a great poster. Don McCaslin uh, played out there, and these other groups. And at the end, we'd always have a 25th century ensemble jam session mm -hmm. where everybody could play anything, dance any way you want. Usually a light show. I think Dick Smith was involved in this. Mm -hmm. And um, it was great. Great events. Wow. And uh, I think this, this was for some Universal Life Church. Oh, yeah. More for the uh, Free University. The, uh, yep. Center for Free University. Yeah. yeah. We had kids involved. And again, we had a nice range of kids. So anyway, these are some posters I brought for the uh, memoirs. Yeah, memoirs. Or, uh, yeah. We give them to uh, Jacob and uh, see what he can do with them. I'm going to actually give Jacob this video because maybe he can produce it for the site because it's like a really good telling. Probably needs some editing. It, yeah, <laughs> those guys can do the editing. Yeah. Actually, it doesn't need much editing. You're a very good raconteur of these... Uh, storyteller. Storyteller. <laughs> well, I hope so. And thank you for uh, just encouraging... Yeah. We're helping to uh, archive this, this history. You too, Roz. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah, well, thank you, Fred. And uh, this is going to be a wonderful podcast for the Levity Zone listeners of where we live here in the Santa Cruz Mountains because, it, you know, the podcasts go out and there isn't really a context for them. But actually, yeah. the place where I live and where we live has a big influence on our mental state, and it's why we can maintain a state of levity. I think so. Yeah, yeah. the the redwoods they, they 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 just go on day after day. Yeah, breathing and, and bringing water through them and sucking up food and giving off the oxygen. That's a great, it's great, great to live. And now now we just know because of that wonderful uh, radio lab piece you sent me. Oh, now yeah. we know. That the fungi, the mycelial tube like or tube fungi, which can be up to seven miles of this tubing in a single pinch of soil, they feed minerals up to the trees. The, the trees provide mineral uh, sugars down to the fungi, and the fungi basically feed uh, like trees that are lacking certain nutrients, they'll pass them from tree to tree in different species. So, we actually have discovered that the entire forest mat. And the entire plant world is operating like a progenote, like a massive sharing network that is super collaborative. Yeah. Trees are not competing with each other. They're actually supporting each other. They're competing, of course, for sunlight and stuff. Right. But largely, it's a supportive system. Yeah, recycling. In fact, it may be just the same progenote you've written about in the your work on the evolution of life. Yeah. That's something we need to explore more but. Just continuing and evolving into the different ecosystems. You know, each one's a little bit different. You might get different biorhizal associations, you know, right. with each root system. But it's, I bet you it's the same map. And the, <clears throat> yeah, the mycorrhizal world, because they find paleosols, soils at 3.2 billion years ago in the Barbican in South Africa, actual evidence mm -hmm. for soils for microbial 
bacterial communities. Yeah. There's no mycorrhizae. But maybe by about 800 million years ago, it's possible that the fungal world was already active, breaking down the rocks and building soils and everything yeah. to, to prepare for the rise of photosynthesizing individuals and then vascular plants and then the trees yeah. with the, the lignin, you know. Yes. So in a sense, the fungal world needed to generate all that mineral content to allow lignin to be produced, to allow the growth of trees. Yeah, I understand that was a big leap in, in the uh, evolution of, of the expansion of, of uh, all the life forms. Yeah. When lignin, when that chemical came into yeah. being, it, uh, some people equate that as important as well. It comes along with oxygen. Yeah, because you had to have oxygen for the energy source yeah. to make big, big bodies of any kind. Yeah. Well, I'm glad these, these papers are safely going home. Yes. I think what we're doing, Bruce, is we're beginning to lay the foundation for maybe some sort of archive of some sort. I think so, yeah. When I'm gone, who, somebody will just probably throw this stuff out, so I want to... I'll certainly <laughs> should come here Pass because it on, yeah. I'm, I'm building archives here, Fred. I mean, I've okay. got Timothy Leary's yeah. library here, and I've got a whole barn to fill with archives. Did you see, this is a, you see all this other stuff in here? McGovern for president. So that was 71. Yeah. 72. That was some of the big elections. That was a big deal. And Futsy Nutzel, you know, he did some really nice posters back in those days about President Nixon. Why do we elect these really bad presidents when we have good alternatives? <laughs> yeah, that whole election re leading up to that was... It was crazy. They had a good guy, I understand, running, but they... Uh, no, that was Truman. He ran against Truman. I don't know. It seems like... Uh, you know what? I think it is... People start thinking about, well, who's the worst? Mm -hmm. We don't want the worst one. So we say, you know, we have the choice between the, the least bad. I'm thinking, you know, the really bad ones. The wrecking crew. Why, do, why does this country put wrecking crews in office? And then the other group has to fix the country. It's, it's based on fear. Based on fear. And that's what's so important about what we're talking about here is mm. you got to get over the fear and say, okay, we're going to go into this like Vikings and now. Mm. What do we want to have happen? And that's what's going to happen. Hmm. And not be afraid to uh, encounter the boogeyman. <laughs> right, right. We, the boogeyman, which is us. Yeah. And, <laughs> so. and, and uh, going into those meetings or being afraid to go down and speak up or being afraid to be uh, attacked or spit upon. Or, mm -hmm. What choice do we have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, we live in a world of sort of fear yeah. and death. And, the, and as we do that as a community, then I think we become stronger because... We realize that that's that's where people are coming from, and we can support each other that way. Yeah, hmm. good advice. At least that's yeah. it makes <laughs> makes me saner. Yeah, <laughs> living the cultural revolution now. Yeah, huh. and we can't ever sort of let it go. I no, mean, what did Lincoln say? The price of liberty is eternal vigilance. I think he's right, huh? Yeah, you can't let it go. You can't just get complacent. He knew that about people. Yeah. And about Americans. And in a very positive way, it's not only you're vigilant, but you're you're looking for ways to express your fulfillment and your karmic mission here. You mm. know? It feels good to fulfill yourself. And that, that's what your generation brought in, that whole idea. It's not life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness. It was this oh, yeah. karmic fulfillment, which is a much broader... Yeah. And the fulfillment of the promise of a community and an area and nature and mm -hmm. the whole world, really. Peace, paradise, 
Peace, prosperity, and paradise. Peace, prosperity, and paradise. They can go together. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, fascinating. We, we have a lot to discuss on those lines. More podcasts coming More up. More podcasts coming up. Thanks, Rosma, for taking video and audio of the interview with Fred. Find that video, plenty of photos of the maps and other documents that Fred brought over, and links to the HIP Santa Cruz History Project website, which Fred referred to and which Ralph Abraham put together along with the three HIP History Santa Cruz published volumes. And thanks again to Christoph for your wonderful sound editing on this episode. We finish now with an excerpt from the Paradise Proclamation, also mentioned by Fred and written and performed by Max Hartstein and the 25th Century Ensemble, which included Fred. So a little piece of our history has passed with Fred McPherson, but we hope to carry on his mission to preserve our natural resources and create new paradises in which we can all live. See you next time in the Levity Zone. I am the mouth. I speak for no man, but for myself alone. I am here to issue the proclamation of paradise, that you may know it as your home, your country, your world, and your cosmos. You are living in the garden of paradise, and everything that is happening on this planet is happening, being done to the garden of paradise. All the history of the human race is an evolution to that state of consciousness. That is the only purpose all of it could possibly have had and has had. All great societies in the history of the world have risen with that unspoken objective and have crumbled to decay when they failed in finding paradise or having found it preferred failure instead. When the work of survival is done, when all necessary steps have been taken to the point that all disease is potentially curable, that you are able to communicate with and touch any place in the world on the same day, that there is no need to starve. Your great society, like all others, will fail and crumble as it is doing before your very eyes if you do not step into the garden of paradise, which has been so very well prepared for you. It is your evolutionary heritage, giving you, through all the history and struggles of the human race. What more could they or you have done? The paradise I speak of is your third dimensional reality, seen from the fourth dimension, where everything is truly perfect. The acceptance and understanding of the paradox, that all form is a form of cosmic corruption, balance being the measure of purity, and perfect balance being the absence of motion. So that there may be form, the cosmos appearing to you as a process of action which manifests itself in all forms, continuously changes its form in order to balance itself. All motion coming from a desire for stillness. The purity of perfection is the impossibility of its existence. 
Therefore, you are in an infinite condition. All that is needed to make it truly paradise is to accept the paradox, to accept it, life itself. The paradox is most easily understood by the simple equation plus and minus, positive and negative, yes and no. Equally balanced forces, which because of their absolute attraction to one another and their inability to unite, create motion, which in turn causes the illusion of form. All form is a mask for chaos, but once formed, no longer chaos, it is form, and subject to the evolutionary laws of the process. These laws are known, all is known. Inherent duality in an absolute cosmic condition of oneness. At the core of the paradox in the poetry of mathematics, Einstein's theory of relativity, E equals MC squared. As simple as that, plus, minus, yes, no. And so it is that the part of paradise known as the United States of America finds itself nearer the realization of paradise than it can even face, while at the same time it is bending its total national evolution to the creation of fiery hell as a substitute, which it is delivering to the rest of the world as fast and efficiently as possible.